Welcome to the Confidently You podcast. I invite you to join me, Amber, your host on a journey of coming home to your confident self. I'm so fulfilled with helping you transform your life by exploring your true potential and embodying the highest expression of your unique energy. With this podcast, you will find inspiration to own the magic of your individuality, master your mind and energy, and manifest the life you once thought was impossible. I'm here to tell you that confidence is not something that you earn, rather something you can unlearn. Unlearn the bullshit stories that play on repeat that stop you from living life on your terms and taking action with confidence. So if you love human design, manifestation, and shit that blows your mind, then you are exactly where you are meant to be. I already know we're going to evolve to a whole other level together. So without further ado, let's take the next step on your journey of becoming confidently you. Hello, Confident Soul. Welcome back to another episode of the Confidently You podcast. My name is Amber, and I am your host on your confidence building journey. I am so excited about today's episode. It has been personally one that I have much been anticipating because it has been in the works for probably about two months now. I have um, fellow coach Lauren Runyon on on the podcast today. And we are talking all things about quantum leaping, redefining stress, how to regulate stress and manage your stress, and what is stress? What what does stress even mean? (laughs) The difference between a stress and a stressor, all of the things. And I have been so looking forward to this episode because um, I was on Lauren's podcast. So Lauren has a podcast called Align and Expand. And um, I was on her podcast last year, if I'm not mistaken, and we talked about cycle syncing. And I felt like a really good connection with Lauren. Lauren is also a fellow projector, and I could feel just how magical she is. And I've been following her on Instagram for the past year, and she puts out some incredible content and um, talks so much about the nervous system, stress, um, how this has an effect on manifestation and your success. And um, I just knew I had to have her on the podcast to talk about these things. Now, normally when I do a podcast recording and have a guest on the show, normally what we'll, what I'll do is right after I log off the Zoom call with with the guest, I will usually immediately jump to doing this recording that I'm doing right now. So this little intro recording before we jump into the episode. But with this episode, I had to wait. I had to really sit and digest everything that Lauren talked about because sitting with Lauren was such a humbling experience. She clearly is, well, what I would consider to be an expert in what she's talking about. Um, She is so articulate, so knowledgeable, and I really had to sit and gather my thoughts before I, and like really integrate what she was talking about before I could sit down and do this little, little small recording before um, introducing her to the show. And I feel like I've really given myself a couple of days to absorb it and ready to, I'm ready to start you know, applying further 
everything that she talks about in this episode. So I'm really excited to dive into it. So to tell you a little bit more about Lauren, uh, Lauren Runyon is a transformational embodiment coach that helps busy beings find balance using the mind and body. She is so passionate about helping others learn how to replenish and return back to their authentic selves by releasing doubt, overwhelm, and stress so that they can find joy, ease, and abundance in their lives. Lauren uses her own healing experience as well as a mix of modalities she has learned through her career as an RN, yoga instructor, breathwork, meditation coach, and mindset coach. These tools are designed to help you achieve balance in 10 minutes a day or less. So these are the things that Lauren and I talk about in this episode. We talk about breathwork, EFT, a little bit of rage dancing, <laughs> um, you know, my favorite tool. But we talk about all the things and before we get into this episode with Lauren, a little bit of an update to tell you about what's going on with me. Um, this podcast is about to go undergo a bit of a transformation. I'm feeling a seasonal change within myself. Um, I'm feeling a shift in terms of what it is that I want to focus on, really getting more focused on what is my niche, what is my expertise, because that is something that I am still discovering and still evolving into every day. Um, you know, there might be some rebranding that's going on, uh, might be a new season that comes out as this new season blossoms inside of me. I'm not really quite sure how that's going to pan out, um, but my podcast manager and I are also going to be doing some system work in the background so that this podcast can be published more regularly and to increase the value of this podcast so that um, there's more impact for you um, so that we can reach more people, change more lives, instill more confidence um, in more people. So we're going to be doing some back-end work to hopefully streamline this process so that we can pump out some episodes more regularly. Um, I'm also hoping not to do hour-long episodes anymore. Man, I find that I can talk so much. <laughs> And maybe I just need to, um, I think that's part of my problem um, and the struggle with being able to put episodes out more regularly is I find myself talking for too long. Um, so I want to start doing like coming back to those like 30-ish minute episodes so that it doesn't use as much energy for me to come onto this podcast more regularly because I love this podcast. This podcast is like my favorite activity to do within my business. I love creating content for my podcast and I want it to continue to make an impact the way that it is and I want to continue to increase the value of this podcast. So we're going to take a little break, do some brainstorming, hoping to come back to you in about six weeks from now. We'll see um, with some new episodes, but we're going to take a little break and I'm going to allow these, these past 50 episodes, my goodness, these past 50 episodes, let them do their thing, let them marinate here and, and continue to make their impact as I am shifting into this new season inside of me. So that's kind of what's going on for me. And um, yeah, I think we're ready to introduce Lauren. So without further ado, please welcome Lauren to the Confidently You podcast. Hey, hello, Lauren. Welcome to the Confidently You podcast. I am so freaking psyched that you are here. And I love opening up the podcast by, of course, introducing you, but asking you what makes you feel most confident? 
Awesome. Hi, Amber. Thanks for having me. This is fantastic to see you again. And okay. So to answer this question, I think what I've been using the most to help me feel the most confident is this technique. It's like a technique I have to do and I go inwards. So it's almost like I imagine this may not be like a normal answer. (laughs) I'm not looking for normal. (laughs) Okay. I go in and I imagine that I'm like sifting through the layers. So, you know, when you go and you do something and you're not feeling very confident and you have like, I imagine it as this aura of all these questions uh, or thoughts, like all these things that are keeping me from doing what I want to do and be confident. And so imagine going past that layer and then going into like past my body into this layer that's very equanimous. I I picture it almost like a lava lamp in the center of my body. (laughs) And I like, when I go there, I feel super calm. And when I feel calm, I feel like I can tap into confidence. So that may be a really strange answer, but that's what I have been doing for the last couple months especially when I want to tap into confidence. (laughs) Mm. No, I love that answer. In fact, I would say I'm not looking for the run of the mill answer because, you know, not that there's anything wrong with whatever someone answers, but, you know, I've heard a lot about of, um, you know, trusting myself, like that's awesome but maybe I want to hear something else. So yeah, <laughs> I as, love I was, that answer. as I was saying, I'm like, maybe she means like, when do I feel confident? Like when I'm dressed a certain way? <laughs> no, I'm loving it. I think the more well-rounded perspectives that we can get, like, cause maybe somebody's going to relate to what you have to say. So I think it's just important to be able to have a skill or a technique to help you get there because mm-hmm. I don't believe you can always be confident, especially when you're moving out of your comfort zones, which is something I try to do all the time. And so I have to have something that supports me feeling confident. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like to guide you there, guide you to come yeah. back to that confidence. Yeah. Right. So speaking of pushing the comfort zone. I feel like that's a really nice segue into what it is that we want to talk about, about, you know, easily quantum leaping by learning how to regulate stress in a healthy, healthy way. Um, where do you want to start? Where should we start with this? Hmm, There's so many places we should start. I think the reason we first start with why I got into this topic of Mm, stress and you probably can relate to this, but I, work with clients one-to-one. And a lot of the times they're trying to seek some kind of alignment or some, they're going after some kind of goal that, that hasn't been coming to them. But one mm-hmm. of the top thing, like three things that they usually say is their stress or anxiety there. And I noticed that once we got the stress under control, number one, that was the biggest impact that we had together. And number two, things started to easily align and they were able to handle their day-to-day better. So this is when I started to get into the topic of stress and how you can quantum leap. So I think the first thing I'd like to throw out there is my opinion on quantum leaping is, is very much. It's Bob Proctor used to say that you don't look forward to a quantum leap. It's something that you look back at and it's like, you are going and you're going and going. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, where the fuck, how did I get here? You know? And it's because you've taken these steps over time and got into this quantum leap space. So I'm saying all these things. And I I think that in addition to that, we should also start to define like what is stress Mm. and the difference between stress and stressors, and maybe some misconceptions out there that I see, especially if you're on Instagram, 
So should I just dive in? Please. I, yeah, okay. I'm already like, I've got my pen in my hand. I'm like, I want to take notes. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm talking a lot already. Okay. Love it. So love it. let's first start with the difference between stress and stressor, because we hear people use the language. I'm so stressed. I am. That's the word we hear a lot of the time. So mm. stress is actually a very generic thing that happens in our body yet which what we're going to get into yet we internalize it and make it this very personalized experience. But what's really actually happening in our body is very, uh, it's very new neutral is not really the right word. It's very, uh, like it's the same response, no matter what it is, you could be getting sick. And the, and the stress is actually the physiological response that your body is having. That's taking you out of this homeostasis that you would normally be in. So if you're like normally chill and alert and handling things day to day, something comes in and it's a stressor or it's a stress causes your body to have stress. The thing that comes in that makes your body have this physiological response is actually the stressor. So the stressor can be something that's real or imagined. It can be something as simple as, uh, getting sick or having allergies or a boss for an email from your boss. Or it could be something really serious, like you're taking care of a sick loved one. Those are all stressors, but they all have the same response in our body. And when we start to have the stress response, depending on how long the stress has been happening, depending on how well you can handle the stress and the resiliency you have around it, then that's when it starts to impact our ability to actually start making these quantum leaps or continue Mm. to move forward with our manifestations and our goals that we're trying to create in our life. So I'll pause there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, what, so I'm hearing like all of these different examples that you were listing that, you know, can prevent us from achieving those quantum leaps. And I also wondered, so I wrote down with a question mark, past trauma question mm-hmm. mark being like another one of those things that causes a stressor, stressor that is preventing you from achieving those quantum leaps. Would you say that that's also true? Absolutely. Because one of the things that I think we'll definitely get into in our conversation is that is this thing called the perceptual language loop. And this loop includes not only the things that you're saying inside your head and the beliefs that you have, but also the somatic response that your body's having. And when it comes to stress or the stress that we are having and how we perceive our stressors, it first has to come in through our five senses. It has to come in through the body and from the body, it goes up to the brain. So it's not actually something that we take into our brain and then it goes down to our body and then our body has this response. And I say that because when we have past traumas, big T traumas, little T traumas, generational, any kind of trauma, your body is going to actually have a stress response before it even makes it to your brain and you know what's happening. Mm. Or you it may not even make it to your brain. You're just like, holy crap, I'm having heart palpitations and I, I'm, I'm so anxious and I have no idea why. Yeah. And it's because it first comes into the body. It doesn't even have to make it there to the logical brain for your body to start having that response. Mm, Yes. And my mind is immediately darting to like this limbic system, the limbic part of our brain or body and how the body is using that limbic part of the brain that it's emotional, you know, emotions being one of those indicators that we maybe experience something stressful, for example, or all of the other symptoms that we experience alongside of that. That's really, really fascinating. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I love that you brought that up and I don't know if we want to talk about it now (laughs) or since it kind of just flowed into that. But so one of the things that I think it's really important that we have to start evaluating when it comes to our stress are the, the words that define the stress, but also the emotions and the beliefs that are behind that, that, Mm. and, and so what happens is we have this limbic system I don't want to say response, but these emotions, we have emotions and we have feelings and emotions are these primal things that come from your limbic system. And then it gets filtered through, you know, like our prefrontal cortex and it gets filtered in through all these thoughts that we have and our beliefs that we have. And then we have these feelings based off of it. So the original emotion could be something like fear, but then based off of these words that we have and these beliefs that we've had, our past experiences, that fear turns into like something totally different. And you could have handled it maybe differently because you have um, now put all these words on top of the stressor and the stress response that you're having that maybe isn't what's actually happening in the body, if that makes Mm, sense. (laughs) Yeah. So in other words, what you're saying is the meaning that you give it Mm -hmm. is what is altering your experience of reality. Yes. Perfectly said. <laughs> yeah, so you think like, <laughs> your body could have this fear response, but then and and oh, for, so a really great example of that would be, you know, you're going to I'll just speak from my personal experience. So I can very much remember a time when I was in the middle of a group coaching session and I'm speaking in front of people and what started happening is I started to have this experience where I started maybe get a little fearful. It was more of like a fear of judgment. So it was fear that was first started happening. But what I started doing in my head was the conversation that started happening was, oh, these people hate this, this, they don't like what I'm teaching them. They don't, this isn't, this isn't new information. And so it's exactly like what you said. I had this original emotion and then I started putting all this meaning to it. Mm -hmm. And in reality, none of those things were true. (laughs) Yeah. So in other words, the story that you're telling yourself was not serving you. And it was in fact, self-sabotaging, whereas Mm -hmm. you could have chose to instead observe, observe that fear from an objective or, um, um, yeah. Is that what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Be objective (laughs) in observing yourself and be like, okay, I see you fear. I see Mm -hmm. you. I acknowledge you. What is the meaning that I am giving this fear? And you can be like, turn it into that conscious process. Um, and yeah, turning it into that conscious process. I found that as I'm cultivating more of these nervous system regulation tools, like EFT rage dancing has been my favorite one. Um, you know, as I'm using these tools more, it's enabled me to have a stronger objective or, uh, be, be more, I'm having difficulty with that word. <laughs> it, yeah. It creates a lot of space, yes, you know, like you. gives you this, this ability to take a step back. And then, and this is something that I, t- I talk about all the time. You want to be able to have this ability to respond versus react. And when you're not being objective and you're in this subjective experience, you're just reacting like, mm-hmm. Oh crap, this stressor happened. My boss sent me an email. I'm super stressed now. He hates me. He hates the work I did. And instead you are like, whoa, (laughs) I'm going to pause here. I'm going to take a step back and let's look at some other ways or other things that this could mean. Mm -hmm. And even, even if you're right, even if it's true that, you know, he hates you or, you know, the things that you just said, even if that were true, you still have an opportunity to manage that fear Mm -hmm. in a more confident way and to, Mm -hmm. and to 
choose the energy in which that you're going to respond with that fear. You know, you could be stuck in that fight, flight, or fear, fight, flight, or freeze response, or you can give yourself some space, take a few deep breaths or whatever tools that you want to use, and then approach it from a better, more um, higher self energy, more confident mm-hmm. energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when we're stressed, we don't actually have the ability to tap into that higher self. Mm. And that's because of the physiological responses that start to happen. So again, whether it's something really simple, like somebody cuts you off in traffic, you get an email from your boss, maybe a surprise bill comes, it all creates the same response in our body. And like you said, we have several responses that our body can do. And what you hear the most from everyone that talks about stress is this fight or flight sympathetic response. And while I'm talking about that and throwing out there, we need to throw out the caveat that it's not bad to go into fight or flight. It's not bad to be in your sympathetic nervous system. What's bad is when you go up into this response and you don't have the ability to come back down Mm -hmm. and be resilient with your, your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so we can go into this response, have that fight or flight. And then we want to be able to come back down, um, from what's happening using those tools that it is that you, you you talked about, like you can use EFT, you can use things like rage dancing. Um, but back to kind of what we were saying, that perceptual language loop and, and the words Mm. that we use to define it, but also the beliefs that we have. So that example that I, I, I said earlier where I was, um, in a group coaching session and I started to have that fear feeling. And then I started to have those thoughts that all went back to a belief that I have about myself mm-hmm. that needs to be continually be healed. Like, what if they don't like me? What if this isn't good enough? And so to tie this all into how I, I kind of, what I was saying to you is that we, we don't have the ability to tap into that higher self. We don't have the ability to even rationalize those beliefs because when that when that physiological response happens, we go into fight or flight. We go into, and and fight or flight or that sympathetic response is actually just like a mobilization response. It's getting your body ready to just take off and run away from a saber tooth tiger. It's the same response now as it was, you know, millions of years ago. And so when that happens, the frontal, like the, the right and left hemisphere of the brain, your prefrontal cortex that like shuts off. And we go into this tunnel vision mode. And so we don't have access to, to our higher self or to that subconscious mind or to our, our creative side or any of those things that help us problem solve when we go into this fight or flight mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how can we work through these things so that we can, because ultimately that's where we want to get to. We want to mm-hmm. get to that higher self because we don't want to be making decisions from the ego, not to be ego shaming, but let's get real. Ego doesn't usually (laughs) have those quantum (laughs) leaps, um, uh, in the back of its mind. It wants to stay in the comfort zone, you know, where we kind of started this whole conversation. It wants to start there. So how can we start like tapping into that, that Mm -hmm. higher self in those situations? Yeah. So, so specifically in those situations, if we want to talk about how to handle stress, when you're in the moment, there are obviously things that you can do. You could, could do EFT tapping in the moment when something's happening, but maybe that's not appropriate when you are like in your boss's office and you're asking, yeah. why are you <laughs> tapping on yourself? Are you okay. Um, one of the things that you can do in the moment, there's two things that, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Andrew Huberman from Huberman labs. He's mm. like a fantastic, amazing neuroscientist. And he really 
talks about objective tools and is doing a lot of studies on things that you can do in the moment to deal with stress and anxiety and sleep and all those things. So he recommends two things that are really powerful that you can do in the moment that most people probably aren't going to know that you're doing. And one of those is it's called a physiological sigh. And it's a response that our bodies already know how to do. We do it when we get really upset and we're crying, you know, when you're like sobbing and you're like, (gasps) yeah, that that thing, that's a physiological sigh. Animals even do this. We do this in our sleep, but he has found that it has a really fast and profound impact on your nervous system when you do it in the middle of like a stressful event. Mm. And so you would breathe, you're taking in um, a full inhale, but you're doing it with two inhales. So you're like, and then you sigh it out the mouth. It doesn't have to be loud if you're around people. So two sips in mm-hmm. and you can do that like three times. So that's like mini breath work, mini breath work. Yes. Yes. So you, you said in the, in the middle. And so that's like, it's one thing to be like, okay, I'm going to do some uh, pranayama and do my box breath right now. And you may not have the ability to even sit there and do five minutes of breath work, but this you can do three times and you've tapped into getting yourself back into that parasympathetic nervous system because of, I'm not going to say it all sciencey like he can, but something happens with the, the sacs in your lungs. When you take in that two sips of air, it really expands. I think the alveoli fully. And I think some kind of chemical reaction happens. (laughs) So you start to tap into that parasympathetic nervous system really quick. Mm, Yeah. I have actually really noticed it with myself in particular, I find um, parenting to be very triggering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Children <laughs> are our greatest teachers, uh, teaching patience being one of those things. Um, and so I do find myself in a lot of these like triggering experience with my son, especially when he shrieks. I'm mm, one of those people noises. like- loud noise, um, a sudden loud noises, like physically hurt my person, sudden loud noises physically hurt my person. And it's really hard for me to be patient when I am feeling so physiologically triggered like that, doing that big breath. Okay. Okay. I can handle myself better. And I do notice that instantaneously, especially when I'm being intentional about it, when Mm -hmm. I'm telling myself, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath that really sucked. What just happened between me and my son? I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to come back to that ready. And it works. Whereas Mm -hmm. if I don't tell myself, like if I'm just, you know, normal breathing, (laughs) it doesn't have that same effect. So that's really interesting. Like, you know, even just doing, I'm going to call it mini breath work, (laughs) doing that little mini breath work, like, okay, yeah, that works. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I may get really sidetracked on this because I love breath work and I am a breath work teacher. And so Another thing that you can do, even if you don't want to do this physiological sigh, I number one love that you said the intention thing, because, you know, people are like, oh, count to 10 or take in like several, you know, several deep breaths. That doesn't work for me. But I think one of the missing pieces that I was having was that I wasn't setting the intention. And so any of these practices that you're doing, you can always set the intention. But the other thing that you can do in the moments of feeling stress is to actually just even do breath awareness and breath awareness is when you're not manipulating, manipulating the breath, you're not doing anything different, but you're tuning in to see what's actually happening with your breath. And most of the time when you're stressed or you're in a a tense situation, you'll notice that you're breathing shallow and up in the upper chest. And that is actually signaling to your brain that there is stress and causing you more stress and keeping you in that stress loop. 
So when we breathe from the diaphragm and we take the deep breath and we breathe in, our belly button essentially goes out and then we exhale and the belly comes back in. We're tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system. So you can just maybe notice like, okay, I'm breathing really shallow. Maybe I should deepen my breath so that you can actually tap into that parasympathetic nervous system. I just started doing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Just started to have awareness. How am I breathing? Yeah, right now. I did notice I was breathing shallow and that's not the first time that's been pointed out to me. I'd say almost every time I have, I've had a conversation with somebody about breathing, it's like, oh, okay. I'm breathing shallow right now. Yeah. So most people are walking around breathing incorrectly or very shallow, especially women in the Western culture, I would say, because we are taught to suck our bellies in and we don't want our belly to hang out or, you know, you'll look a certain way if your belly's not sucked in. So most of us due to trauma, um, due to injuries, due to thinking that we need to keep our belly sucked in, do breathe shallow and we breathe from our breathe from our chest. And so even just creating a breath awareness practice, if someone doesn't even want to do breath work, will create a really powerful, anytime you're connecting to your breath, you're creating the sense of exactly what you talked about earlier, having this awareness and learning to create that pause so that you can choose instead of just continually to act in habit. Mm. Yes. Acting in habit. That's so funny because habits, uh, this is also a small like side note, (laughs) but like habits, I recently like occurred to me, I feel like I've known this, but the words finally landed in my brain the other day is that sometimes, you know, habits, they're meant to help your brain conserve calories, right? To get yourself get yourself into autopilot so that you can do things while conserving energy. But lots of times, like, even though a habit might be detrimental to your health, like smoking, for example, it doesn't take a lot of calories to go and grab the cigarettes, like, cause you're, that's the habit, right? But even though the result of that habit has detriment, has detrimental effects on your health, on your energy, it will, even though those are detrimental and it uses a lot more energy afterward, it still doesn't take a lot of calories to get into that habit even though it's detrimental for your health. I feel like I didn't articulate that very well. So pardon me for that, but (laughs) yeah, I think it definitely makes sense. It's so funny how things click in our brain. We're like, Oh, okay. I get that. But also when I heard you saying that, one of the things that I think people need to be aware of when it comes to habits, a lot of our habits, especially when it's smoking could obviously be, you know, there, there's an addiction, uh, thing there, but also an identity thing there. They Mm -hmm. identify as a smoker. They have a belief that they're a smoker. So it's not even just like they have this habit. Yeah. There's like a habit of grabbing the cigarettes and holding it in their hands, but they also have the belief, like we've said earlier, these beliefs that we have that affect everything Mm -hmm. that they are a smoker. So yeah, their brain's saving calories because they're not even, they're not even having to be like, that would have to require them to create a new neural pathway mm-hmm. to be, I am no longer a smoker. I am, you know, whatever belief it is that they want to have. Huh? So actually identity is also a habit. Part. I would, I would say identity is this, I'm trying to think of the word that Bob Proctor used. Um, not a filter. It's a, I'm not, it might come to me later, but it's essentially these, these things, I, I want to say like a pod and we have all these different pods. It's not the word he used at all, <laughs> um, but we have all these things and they are habits, but they mm. are like our identities of the habits. Yes. Yes. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah. So we got, yeah, we, <laughs> we got, got really little, sidetracked. <laughs> so let's go back to some other things that you can do. Um, yes. So in the moment, let's go back to maybe one other thing you could do in the moment. And then I'd love to talk about some things that you can do to regulate your nervous system, mm. not in the moment, because we ultimately want to create this, this more resilient nervous system and the ability. And I want to talk about kind of like when you said that loud noise, so that that has less of an impact on us. Mm-hmm. So in the moment, another thing, this just goes back to Dr. Um, I, I, I've heard him talk about it, but I also learned it from other trainings that I've been in and, and they call it something different, but when we are in that fight or flight stressful situation, especially usually we're like tunnel vision, like I mentioned earlier, uh, it, your eyes are connected to your brain. It's essentially a part of your brain. And your eyes give indication to your brain, depending on what they're doing, whether or not they're in like a stressful situation. Mm. So when we're like constantly, one of the reasons that we as a society are more under a lot of chronic stress or perpetual fight or flight is because we're constantly looking down on our phones or staring straight ahead at a computer. And that is a signal to your brain because you're on tunnel vision that you are in a low state of fight or flight. And so to get you out of that, you are to take your gaze to the horizon. So I've heard, he talks about taking your gaze to the horizon or going outside and taking like, like a really panoramic view look instead of looking straight ahead at something or down at something. But also, even if you're inside, what you would want to do is you would keep your chin level, like level with the ground. And you would take your eyes up 30 degrees. And then when you take your eyes up 30 degrees, you're essentially, that's like what you would be looking at. If you're looking at the sun setting outside, mm-hmm. that will help open up that, that visual cortex and your vision that you're seeing and help you drop back into that parasympathetic nervous system, because it's a signal like, oh, we can relax now. We don't have to be focusing on running away from something that's trying to kill us. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, when you, as someone who wears glasses, And, you know, I've had to change prescriptions or just simply get new glasses. Anytime that I get a new pair of glasses, you know, the headaches come on, the blurry vision comes on as my eyes are adjusting to these new, new glasses. Right. But I see that as being a stressor, like the Mm -hmm. switching of the glasses. And when you said that your eyes are basically your brain, I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Like, yeah, like. I'm aware of that stress that it causes on my body, but it hadn't occurred to me that that's also like a stress response, like it that's happening in the brain too. So mm-hmm. very eye opening. <laughs> <laughs> that was <Yeah>. good. <laughs> so how do we like? Sorry to um, interrupt you. I want to talk about like preemptive. Yeah, yeah. But what so- about like quanta? The quantum leaping, like relating this back to mm. quantum leaps. Definitely. So this is, we can kind of, I can check in and see how you believe, but I believe that in, I said this earlier, in order to manifest or to quantum leap, we need to be able to number one, you said, like be able to tap into that higher version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that comes from, um, you know, our creative side, our feminine side, all of that's on the, on our right side of the brain, um, as well as, I don't know if you picture it outside of you, almost like in a different realm. We can't access that when we're stressed. And so we have to start regulating that nervous system so that we can continually have access to our higher self or 
or however it is that you go about making changes and shifts in your life. When I'm working with a client, usually, and I think we'll probably be really similar on this. When I'm working with a client, we are working from the future self. We're working on embodying the future version of yourself and every day taking action and aligning with that person. But if your body is in fight or flight, you can't take action. You can't, and you you could take action, but it's not going to be that aligned action. Mm -hmm. It's going to be action that is from a state of, you know, fight, flight, freeze, or fawning versus and, and, and being worried versus versus taking aligned action that is from someplace higher. Mm-hmm. And when we are stuck in stress, when we can't regulate that stress, we don't even have the ability to access those parts of our brain or to even get those downloads. You might, mm-hmm. but it's not going to happen as often because your brain is too focused on essentially staying alive. Because like I said earlier, stress Stress is generic and how it perceives stress is very generic. And so your very mundane things that are causing you stress are going to be the same. It thinks it's the same as like a saber tooth tiger is chasing you. It's not going to let you access the highest version of yourself. If it thinks that a saber tooth tiger is chasing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, you said something about, you know, you, you might, you might get those downloads, but when you're in that state it's harder for you to make those decisions or is the way that I would see it. Like you might even be unconsciously closed off mm-hmm. to those intuitive downloads. You might misinterpret those intuitive downloads. You might fear those intuitive downloads, like, because you're stuck. That's what you're currently feeling. The mm-hmm. fear that's in your body right then is going to be clouding your judgment, even though that intuitive download might be the best thing for you. But because you're stuck in that fear, you're going to feel fear towards the intuitive download as well. And mm-hmm. I think that that really comes down to the notion is like, I constantly say it on this podcast is that the energy in which you take the action is more important than the action that you take. So mm-hmm. getting into that, you know, or I guess getting out of getting out of the fear, learning to process the fears so that you can come back to that homeostasis. Cause you don't want to be in like manic either. You don't mm-hmm. want to be on the other end of the spectrum, making those really high energy decisions. You want to be in that homeostasis, that neutrality, that clarity, that higher self, you know mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's what I keep picturing in my mind or that I feel like I should say it's that it would be almost like trying to make a decision on the action you should take while you're sprinting. You know, like I'm going to go in a race and I'm sprinting and I, you're sprinting the fastest that you could ever sprint. And you're focusing on like trying to get across the finish line and win. And you're sprinting and you're sprinting. You can't breathe. You're focusing on like how short of breath you feel. And you're focusing. There's no way that a download or a message or an aligned action from your future version of yourself can even come through because what you're focusing on is the here and now. Mm. And while you, you know, you may not be sprinting. I certainly don't sprint (laughs) unless I have to, but that's essentially what it's like. That's what your body and your brain are doing physiologically, even though we may not feel like we're sprinting. Mm. Yeah. Well, cause you get the elevated heart rate, mm-hmm. you get the the sweatiness. I'm definitely like a, a nervous sweater as I hate to admit it. I am that nervous, that sweating nervous person. And so it does feel like, like, shit, I just felt a lot of anxiety. It feels like I just ran a race because <laughs> mm-hmm. of how hard your heart is pumping and like the flush that you get in your cheeks, all of that, that is going on and how it's so hard to focus on anything else. 
mm-hmm. and therefore make those aligned decisions that are ultimately going to serve your manifestations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you kind of touched on this earlier and just to bring it up again, we may not, it, this may not show up for you as fight or flight. You may not be anxious. You may not have like, for me, when I get super activated, it could even be rage. You may be make trying to make decisions like you may be trying to quantum leap and you're trying to get these manifestations to come in. But what you keep focusing on is uh, imposter syndrome. People say this word all mm. the time. Imposter syndrome is a nervous system reaction because we are actually, according to the polyvagal theory, we are at our best when we are in this, what's called ventral vagal um, mode of our nervous system. And this is where we are. We feel like we fit into a community and we feel love and accepted. And that's where we thrive. Uh, but when we are activated and we're in the stress response, we could like higher than being like fitting in would be worrying that we're not fitting in. And that's when we start to get into this imposter syndrome or people pleasing. So it may show up as someone who's not anxious and whatever they could be people pleasing, or they're too scared to show up. If they've got a business, they're scared to show up on Instagram because they feel like an imposter. Mm -hmm. Again, you're stuck in this sympathetic response. Um, or you have gone past the sympathetic response and you're in like this ventral vagal or what's called a dorsal vagal mode. And that's when you go into that freeze and Mm. you don't take any action whatsoever. Mm. I was going to say, um, then that would mean like being avoidant could Mm -hmm. also be like one of those responses where you choose to avoid the situation instead of even Mm -hmm. acknowledging it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm. Definitely. So, okay. So I know you wanted to talk about, you know, doing the more of like proactive forms of nervous system regulation. Let's talk about that. Okay, cool. Um, I think also (laughs) to go back to something you can do in, in the, in the moment, Mm -hmm. even though you just told me to not talk about that, (laughs) but I, was something you said made it triggered it because when we originally started talking about this perceptual language loop, we talked about your thoughts, your beliefs, and also the somatic response, something that you can do no matter when it's happening is to actually tune into your body. Um, so if, even if it was like, I'm you're, you're stuck in this people pleasing mode, quiet down, tune into your body and identify where it's at in your body. So somatically having this experience so that you're taking it from this conceptual experience of I'm so stressed, I'm so overwhelmed, or I'm, everyone thinks I'm fake, (laughs) taking it out of that conceptual experience into something that's really experiential and what you're actually experiencing in your body, not what your logical brain thinks it's telling you, which we've already talked about. It feeds these things that aren't true. So tuning into your body. And, and this is what I tell all my clients. And this really makes a huge difference. Closing your eyes asking yourself where it's at in your body. Mm-hmm. So it could be in your, I hear it, the throat, the chest, the belly, it's usually in those places. Okay. What does it look like? This is different for everyone. It's a very, it's a, it's a process of being non-judgmental of what shows up. I've had people that it looks like cartoon things. I have people, a lot of times it's a shape and then you can give it more characteristics. What does it, does it feel like, does it have a color? So what you're doing is you're acknowledging it. You mentioned this earlier in the conversation, you're acknowledging it instead of just like trying to shove it down. Like, Oh, I'm stressed. And I'm just going to ignore that. It's there. You're going to tune in, see what's happening in your body and then asking what it needs. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wants to run. Maybe it wants to jump. Maybe it just wants a hug. Maybe it wants to feel love. And then you give your body or whatever it, it needs. You give it to it. 
So that's one of the ways that we can continue. We talked about improving your, your resiliency and being able to handle these methods. We're always going to have stress. It's more about stressing better than not having stress. So taking it from this conceptual experience, what you think you have going on in your head and into what's actually happening in the body is something that's so important when it comes to being able to regulate it. So you can continually to move out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Again, the awareness, Mm -hmm. (laughs) awareness is such uh, self-awareness is I think is the ultimate superpower. The more that you can tune into your self-awareness, that includes those bodily processes, the more that you can tune into that, the more confident that you are going to be. Mm-hmm. I really see, um, like in addition to what you're talking about, even like when we talk about pain in the body, mm-hmm. one of my mentors told me pain is an acronym that stands for pay attention inward now. Mm-hmm. And, and associating the meaning or associating a meaning with that pain. So for example, I noticed um, in a recent breathwork session that I have been having a lot of shoulder pain and with, without any like obvious, um, you know, outside source of where that came from. And I went through the breathwork section session and I realized uh, I've been carrying a lot of weight, you know, spiritual, spiritual, spiritually speaking or energetically speaking, I've been carrying a lot of weight. And so to acknowledge that, like, okay, what is that weight I'm carrying? And then brings me down that path to start asking myself those questions and bringing that awareness and then asking those similar questions that you were saying, like, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up pain because pain is huge. And a lot, I, I had a client that I recently worked with and she started with this horrific excruciating back pain and we didn't even work on it, but through the process of regulating her nervous system and learning to listen to her body, her back pain was gone and she'd been dealing with it forever. And we get stuck, just like you're saying, you were carrying around this, this spiritual baggage. We get emotions and, you know, things stuck in our body. We also get the actual physiological response stuck in our body. (laughs) You know, we can have tender points because we had this stressful event. We didn't do any of the things that I'm talking about, like tuning in and letting it actualize through your, the entire stress response cycle. And instead, when you had the stress response and it, it got your body ready to mobilize, you didn't mobilize. And so, and then it just gets stuck and you have pain. Yes. Yes. So much juiciness right there. I know it is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So to go back to what you originally asked me and started to start talking about was you, you've talked about breath work. My personal belief in how I do breath work is I teach a lot of pranayama practices that are tapping you into the parasympathetic nervous system. And I have every one of my clients and anyone who will listen to me five minutes a day. That's all I ask them to do in the morning before their day starts, especially if there's someone who um, tends to get on the anxious, overwhelmed side, really into that fight or flight, uh, five minutes a day in the morning and doing it. I like to do the box breath, but you could even just do a one-to-one breath where you're breathing in out in and out for the same length, but you want to keep it around. Like I'll throw this number out, but then you may need to adjust if you're new to breath work, uh, five to six breaths per minute. And that is a sweet spot for helping you improve your heart rate variability and your overall wellness and well-being, so mm-hmm. that you continue and are able to handle the stuff in your day-to-day life, do the things that you want to do to quantum leap, take the action that you want to be taking because you feel better and you feel good. 
Mm, yes. Breathwork is so powerful. Admittedly, I don't do it as often as I, I think I quote unquote should, mm-hmm. um, but I am aware of it and I never left a breathwork session feeling any less, but anything less than fabulous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel so good after a session. So yet that's another reminder for me to keep doing that. <laughs> well, and that's the other reason I, I, I am a proponent for the type of breathwork that I teach and encourage people to do, but also to just do five minutes because any, you, I, I could tell them like, yes, it's awesome. If you can do it when it's quiet and you're sitting down and you can kind of meditate on your breath, but if you're doing it in your car, cool. If you're doing it, sometimes if my, you know, I've got three kids, sometimes I, and my son doesn't sleep and I will just, so that I do it before he wakes up, I put my, an app, like I have an app on my phone. I put my phone under my pillow and then I just turn it on. I'm still in bed. I'm still basically sleeping, but I just hear the thing telling me when to breathe in and out. Mm. And then I'm done. I've done it. I've set my nervous system for the entire day. Mm. And that's scientifically proven to five minutes a day over a period of time and doing it daily will have a significant improvement on your well-being. Mm. Yes. Love that. Um, any other tips, any other things that you also like to use tools? Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite, most magical tool in the entire world is something that I have just, I think I've been exposed to it before, but recently re-exposed. And now it's like, I'm going to go on a mission to have everyone in the world do it. And it's called yoga Nidra. And I don't know if you're, I'm so in love with the process. And I actually just started adding it in about five times a week. And I've noticed such a significant improvement. We, you know, you and I have talked about menstrual cycle and and how the importance of cycle syncing and all of those things. Usually today's day 17 for me, day 17 is a mess for me. I'm Mm. anxious. I have imposter syndrome. Everyone hates me, all these things. And this is the first month in, I don't even know how long that day 17, I'm like, I'm fine. And I know it's because of this nervous system regulation that the yoga ninja practice can have because of the impact it has on your brain waves, things, all all these, you know, nourishing benefits that we don't have to go into, but (laughs) so if you're on day 17, you're kind of near your ovulation phase then is it ovulating for you? I think it's probably a little bit after, but ovulation, you know, I'm going to be 41. I think ovulation stopped being like an amazing time for me maybe a year or so ago. <laughs> Cause I was going to say like, usually when we're ovulating, that is when we feel most confident. And so it's interesting to hear that that's actually when a lot of your um, negative self-talk started coming in and planting mm-hmm. itself in your brain. So that makes me really excited to hear that, you know, you're getting closer to that really that confident self that is naturally meant to be flourishing Mm -hmm. during your, during your ovulation time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what else do you want to talk about? Any other like tips or tricks Anything Uh, about quantum leaping? Yeah. I mean, we can definitely, what, like, so how do you typically like to talk? I would just like to hear this and then I would like to add to it. How do you talk about quantum leaping or mm. get your clients in that. You, you know, admittedly, I don't use that phrase all mm-hmm. the time, but it is something that is in the back of my mind, those words. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk or think about quantum leaping or relate to quantum leaping, um, I think about it as, yeah, pushing the comfort zone, or as I recently heard it phrased was expanding the comfort zone. I thought that was also a nice way of mm-hmm. putting it. 
Um, so yeah, it's ultimately like allowing your confident self to be making the decisions for you to bring you closer to embodying that next level version of yourself to receive the manifestations that you are inherently worthy of. And I've had, you know, someone ask the question or I've heard someone ask the question, well, you know, if you tell yourself that you got to be this version of you, or you got to be the higher version of yourself, aren't you telling yourself that you're not enough right now? And I had to say, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that we are constantly evolving. We make, you know, 60,000 decisions a day, whether they're conscious or unconscious. And so after every single one of those decisions, we're getting closer and closer and closer to that next version of ourselves that evolved or yeah, evolved version of ourselves. And sometimes we have to get into that evolved version of ourselves to experience that quantum leap um, because we've never done those things before that, you know, that, um, that have taken us outside of that comfort zone or that have expanded that comfort zone. And we haven't developed the confidence yet to follow through and take those leaps mm-hmm. that yeah answer that for you yeah yeah I love that and so you mentioned what I loved to that question that you got it and the person asking like are we basically saying that we're not good enough I don't think that's the word that you used but mm-hmm. I think it's about and you're going to relate to this for sure because of the human design, the deconditioning of Mm. the conditioning that we have, we came down to this earth. We have, I believe we have everything that we need to have to quantum leap already. And it's about, uh, the word for it in like the yogic philosophy is your samskaras. It's about letting go of these grooves and these neural pathways and these beliefs and all these things that we've created along the line as we've grown and accumulated and clogged up so that we can, like, we can't get out of our comfort zone because we, something that happened to us when we were in middle school and somebody made fun of you and you like, then we're scared to show up. You know, we, we, it's not about tapping into this version of us that we aren't already. It's about tapping into this version that we already know we are. And then like learning to be her again, almost. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so remembering our authentic yeah. selves. I yeah. say that confidence is not something that you learn. It's something that you unlearn. Yeah. You got to unlearn how to be confident because you already, you're born confident. Like think yeah. about babies, they have undying faith that they're always going to be taken care of, which is well, hopefully true for most babies, right. but you know, you're born confident. It's the conditioning and the stories that don't serve you that have been mm-hmm. disconnecting you from your confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, you know, one other thing to throw out there when it comes to, uh, stress and, learning how to deal with it differently is to we've, you've mentioned it is to let go of this non-judgment when we have judgment about our experience or expectations, our experience, we're creating more stress there. But if we Mm -hmm. learn to have this pause and we take a look and we're like, well, this is, this is it. This is what's happening period. Mm -hmm. Like this is my reality, right? This moment, how do I want to handle that? And and you've said that. Mm -hmm. And, And then the only other thing to throw out there that I thought of when you asked is this, this other concept that I teach, in, in some of my group coaching is this, the power of one degree. And I don't know if you've, you've heard anybody uh, talk about that. I have, but I don't know what it's about, but I've heard I, it before. I'm, yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I've like read it all the way. So I'm not gonna be able to say the scientific actual data, but there is this power of one degree and it, it comes from, I think like aviation. And it's, if the airplane is set to, is off like one degree from its like takeoff to where it's supposed to go over time, the distance that it actually goes off is very significant, but it's only Mm. one degree off from what it was actually set. So I help, I like when I'm working with people, I, I, 
I tell them every day, it's just one degree because, because of the way that this works, the way that this essential law or scientific law works, this power of the one degree, by the time you get from the, to, from point A to point B, what's happening in the middle of your journey is way more. That's when the quantum leaping starts happening because of this power of the one degree, essentially, you know, it looks really small. It looks like you're not making any steps. And then all of a sudden, because of the one degrees that you've taken every day, you're there and you've taken this huge giant leap from where you were. Yeah. I like that. I like that analogy a lot that I may have to rob that one from you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And look it up. Cause then you're going to be able to get the actual, I know that it's in my stuff, how far off it, it gets off course, but mm-hmm. essentially every degree, you know, one degree, every single day, it's going to make you further than, you know, yeah. What five degrees here, 30 degrees, three months from now. <laughs> yeah. You were mentioning something that triggered me to write down the word results question mark. I think I was thinking about how um, the other day, oh shit, I wish I remember what you were saying. So I knew what to do this back to, but anyways, we've talked so much. <laughs> I'm just going to say the story and I'm sure it will come back to me. So the other day I was having a really triggering experience. Oh, you were talking about like, what are the, re- um, you know, focusing on your results or something like that. I don't know. But then um, it made me think you also have to think like, what are the results that you want to have, right? When you're in that stress response, you're like, okay, this is not the reality that I want to be experiencing. What do I want to experience? And then can I take action towards that? So the most recent experience that I can think of that this happened to me was, um, so I made a new friend, which is that's awesome. yeah. And I'm all about making new friends these days. And um, my partner introduced me to her, this woman. And initially, I was having some jealousy pop up like, oh, my partner made friends with the woman like that's like never happened to me. I've never gotten jealous before. But that was the feeling that was coming up. And instead of being judgmental, there it is. You were talking about not judging yourself. Mm-hmm. There it is. So I was I realized I was like, okay, I admit to myself, I'm feeling jealous. That's a hard thing to say to yourself, especially like when that's not something you've dealt with a lot with in the past. Like, okay, I don't like this. I, but I'm going to like take radical responsibility for my behavior. Cause if I don't, it's going to start manifesting as like some shitty interaction that I have with my partner. No, I'm going to acknowledge this. I'm going to take responsibility for this. And I'm going to accept myself radically for how I'm feeling and be like, it's okay. It's okay to feel jealous, but what are you going to do about it? How mm-hmm. are you going to, how are you going to deal with that? And so I had that self-awareness at the time and to be able to accept myself, I was then able to communicate with my partner. And, you know, that's all I had to do to make it go away. was just acknowledging it, accepting it and giving myself permission to talk about it, even though it might sound silly, like, Hey, I know I sound silly, but I want to talk to you about this. And it was gone. It was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I feel so much better now that I like accepted that talked about it let it go. And now I have a great, I feel even more closer to my partner and I feel closer to my friend. Those are the results that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so it was about tuning into that version of myself. Like how does she respond to this jealousy and all good now. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's a really good story about that and tuning into the non-judgment it's amazing how people will start to, I mean, people, I'm going to do it myself and start to, I have just recently started to cultivate the ability to have this equanimous nature of like, 
of being able to recognize, even when it's something, something like that, to be like, jealousy should have the same reaction in me as like being happy. You know, it should just be like, oh, it's here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's here. This is my reality. Yeah. And that's like that equanimity that you can have so that you stop having this uh, conflict because of the expectations that you think you should be doing differently in the situation or feeling differently and instead just accepting exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And yeah, that, that sums it up really good. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, any final nuggets of wisdom that you want to share with us before you finish up today? No, I think that we've covered a lot. I just, yeah. if I could stress, if I could stress anything about stress is number one, that it's five minutes a day to start regulating your nervous system and regulating your nervous system is going to have such a profound effect on your ability to to do anything that you want in your life and to manifest. And I've seen it over and over and over again, the things that you think are holding you back are usually something that is not regulated within you. And it's just making you too scared to take the leaps so that you can start taking the action that you want. But when you feel safer and you don't, it doesn't spike you up so high and you can't come back down where you go into freeze that, you know, just five minutes a day and tuning into your nervous system will really make a profound difference. Mm. Yes. Mm, thank you so much for that. I'd also like to give you some space to share with us. How can listeners connect with you? Yeah. Thank you. I always leave something else, but <laughs> you can, I am I'm the host of a podcast called align and expand. So you can come find me there. And I am on Instagram at Lauren. It's L O R E N dot Runyon R U N I O N. And then I do have like, if you like meditations, I'm on insight timer. It's the same handle. And, um, like there'll be some yoga ninja practices on there. Those are a good few places to find me. (laughs) Mm, Wonderful. And listeners that will also all be linked in the show notes. Um, but thank you so much for coming on today. It's been such a blessing to have you. I've been really excited for this conversation. Um, yeah. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And listeners, I will connect with you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I am truly honored that you have entrusted me to fill your cup with all the good stuff. If this episode blew your mind, please show me some love by downloading and subscribing, a small, simple action that helps me share my mission with more people. Did you have any major breakthroughs? I want to hear about them by screenshotting this episode and tagging me on Instagram or Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram at confidently.amber for daily confidence building tips and updates about my workshops, programs, and freebies. I'm sending you so much love and gratitude, and I look forward to connecting in the next episode.